What's going on, Fourth and Inches Podcast listeners? You got Dan and Stevie P. What's happening, Dan? What's up, Steve? What's up, listeners? Yeah, what's going on, guys? Kev is not going to be with us again tonight. He is having some medical issues that he needs to have taken care of. So we wish him the best, and we hope a speedy recovery for Kevin. Uh, you know, you guys in the listener leagues and, you know, anywhere else can hit Kev up and, you know, tell him you hope he feels better. Um, so we are going to be doing some more shoots and ladders today. We're going to get into the news do all that stuff, but first we are going to do our intro. Fourth and Inches FF.com is our website. Uh, you can get that on the number four T H N I N C H E S F F.com. Go there, we have all kinds of stuff. We have ranks, you know, all of our, our cheat codes on there, strength of schedule, articles, blogs, player profiles, VIP access. We'll give you the uh, decision maker and the cheat codes those are two awesome tools to help you in your drafts and coming soon week one will be the dfs you guys are really going to enjoy that we are going to break down the if you guys are into playing FanDuel and DraftKings, and we're going to do yahoo also you know we are going to break those down and you know tell you who what player values we like you know, matchups that we love, cornerback wide receiver matchups we love, you know, things that are going to help you to pick a dominant, you know, team on your fan duel to help you win some money, which is a big deal. So uh, definitely go check that out. And like I said, you can check that out at fourthandinchesff.com. That's the number four, T-H-N-I-N-C-H-E-S-F-F.com. And we're still doing the VIP promotion, right, for our listeners that, that help uh, promote us, and then we give them – the access to to the site yeah definitely so if you guys anybody who is a listener uh on the listener leagues you can go on and we're going to actually open this up for everyone all of our listeners if you go on your facebook page your twitter instagram whatever it is you use on a normal basis you know take a picture of you you know giving us a five-star rating and review on you know uh whatever platform you use to listen to the our listen to our podcast if you don't have apple podcast to leave the five star review you can actually just take a picture of the podcast itself on whatever platform you use and post that to your social media and then also give us a shout out on your social media saying that how we helped you you know on your in your drafts or you know you like the information that we give or however you want to do it and we will grant you vip access so you'll do that. You'll send us the picture at Stevie P, S-T-E-V-I-E-P, 1109 at, at com. Same as the website. And it'll get to me. I will see those pictures and I will, you know, grant you access to the website. So one last thing, Steve, we can all you can also uh, you can also leave reviews on Google, too, where, you know, we're slowly working our way up the Google listings. We are a new website. So, you know, organically, we're you know, starting at the bottom, but with everybody listening and all your support, we're definitely working our way up and the progress has been incredible for us over the first, you know, month or two that we've been really pushing here. But um, just type in our website address and it'll come right up to Google. You'll see our Google page and you can leave reviews right on that as well. Um, right now, I think there's only a couple of reviews because people don't uh, really know about the Google stuff. So we're going to start pushing that a little bit because that'll help us start to move up in the organic listings in Google. So just type in our website into Google and you'll see that and you can leave a review rate on that as well. Definitely. Definitely. 
So, we are going to get into the news. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. The Miami Herald's Barry Jackson mentioned Kenyon Drake and Kenny Stills as possible trade bait in a potential deal for unsigned Texans franchise player Jadavion Clowney. That is definitely news because if Kenyon Drake goes over there, woo, I am going to be super happy in every league I have Kenyon Drake. Uh, if anybody goes over there, I'm looking. I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> looking to put him because we know that off. We know what that offense is going to be capable of. So I'm I'm very curious to see what their next move is. <laughs> exactly. The Athletics' Ben Standig reports that Redskins want to trade contract year Josh Doxson. Nobody wants him. Pewter reports Trevor Sikama left Bucks sixth-round rookie wide receiver Scott Miller off the Bucks' final 53-man roster. Not surprising. Coach Kyle Shanahan was uncertain if Jalen Hurd back will be ready for week one against the Bucks. Yeah, from what I'm hearing, I don't think he's going to be ready. It just He's just slowly progressing to get back on the field, and he hasn't touched the field yet, so I don't think he will be ready, but we'll see. Kyle Shanahan said it's highly unlikely Trent Taylor foot will be ready for week one. Yeah, he had a broken foot, so or a fractured foot, so I don't know if that's going to work out. Pewter reports Trevor Sikama expects Dari Ogo... Ugh, I'm going to screw this name up, but it's... Ogung Boale, I'm pretty sure that's the way you pronounce it, but we'll figure that out later. Uh, to open the year is the Bucks' third down back, and I picked him up everywhere because I want the back in that offense. NFL Network's Tom Palacero reports Jason Pierre-Paul's neck NFI has been cleared to resume rehab activities. That's a big deal because Jason Pierre-Paul is a beast. Jarek McKinnon returned to 49ers practice on Tuesday. Uh, Patriots release wide receiver Maurice Harris with an injury settlement, which was a little bit surprising because he's been playing pretty well in the in the preseason. Uh, Lions release running back Zach Zenner. Kind of knew that. Seahawks haven't ruled out DK Metcalf's knee scope out for week one. So they haven't ruled him out just yet. Ezekiel Ansah shoulder and groin practice for the first time as a Seahawk on Tuesday, which is another big deal because he's a great pass rusher. Speaking Tuesday, Redskins coach Jay Gruden said Josh Doxson is not a lock for the team's 53-man roster. See, this is the kind of stupid stuff that I that I read on here that just makes no sense. So you just told the world, <laughs> right, that he's not going to make the 53-man roster, but you want to trade him. That's literally like saying to someone, hey, uh, I'm going to throw this in the trash, but you want to buy it first? Exactly <laughs> what it's like saying. Yeah, I mean, like, it is what it is. Anyway, uh, the Houston Chronicle reports the Dolphins are very interested in training unsigned Texans franchise player Jadavion Clowney. Yep, we already heard that. Ian Rappaport reports Deshaun Jackson suffered a broken left fi ring finger on Tuesday's practice, but is expected to be ready for week one. Speaking Tuesdays, Texans coach Bill O'Brien said that he is not hopeful Kiki Cutie's ankle will be ready for week one. Yeah, that yeah, I kind of assumed he wouldn't be, but we'll see what happens. Speaking Tuesday, Panthers coach Ron Rivera said the team is not concerned about Cam Newton's foot status for week one. 
Uh, Dolphins release defensive tackle Keem Spence. He's like 800 years old. Retired tight end Rob Gronkowski didn't rule out returning to the NFL this season. <laughs> I, re- I read uh, I read that earlier. I, I had I had to giggle at that one. Like <laughs> he's, he didn't say he he said he'll see how he feels in like six months. I, I read a little bit of the story, but he's like, I guess we'll see how he's in six months. I guarantee you, if the play, if the Patriots, well, I'm not gonna say if when the Patriots make the playoffs, this dude will be in a Patriots uniform. <laughs> I think so too. I I really do. Gronk is just. He yeah. wanted to. He didn't want. To, he didn't want to go through the grind of the sixteen. He wants to be there. For, yeah, you know, I mean, he takes it. like he's so big, dude. It's so easy to just injure that dude. He's just such. He's like a tower, getting you know, and and everybody chops at his legs, like everyone. And then when they gang tackle him, they like land on his ass because he's just so big. You can you can only tackle him by chopping at his legs. You, you literally people, have you to can't... take him down like a tree. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Uh, so. See, this is another report. So this was also reported today. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Reported yesterday. Today is Tuesday. So reported on Monday. Kiki, re- Kiki Cutie ankle returned to practice Monday. <laughs> you know, we just heard it two seconds ago that Bill O'Brien said he's not going to Question, play in week que- one. Questionable for week one, but it's been I guess we'll, I guess we'll see how that one goes. Yeah, we'll see. All right. So uh, the Athletics' Jay Howe reports Patriots center. And uh, David Andrews season is in jeopardy after being hospitalized with blood clots in his legs in his lungs. I'm sorry, in his lungs. Um, yeah. On a, on a more serious note, you know, I am not a Patriots fan. I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. I love the Bills. But, you know, you never want you never want something like this to happen to an NFL player. You I mean, Russell Okung is actually, you know, diagnosed with something very similar. Um you know, this is a very serious health issue, and I hope he has a speedy recovery. And, you know, we pray for his his uh, speedy recovery in this, you know, that's that's something serious. You don't want to you don't want to mess around with that. Um, Dante Pettis said he's battling a minor groin injury. Dante Pettis has really been falling, dude. He's like been dropping like a, a sack of rocks. He literally was like going in the late fifth, early sixth, And now he's like back end of the ninth. It's crazy how much he's dropping. Um, let's see. The Athletics' Jay Morrison believes A.J. Green returned, returning for week three is the best-case scenario. So, anybody who drafted A.J. Green, it doesn't sound like he's coming back anytime soon. Week five, week six. Yeah. Uh, Cowboys coach Jason Garrett said Amari Cooper's foot is on schedule to play in week one, which is fantastic news. This one I chuckled at when I read this. Percy Harvin announced he's returning from from retirement on Monday. To to where? Who wants to? <laughs> he played for like six different teams in a year. Nobody wants him. Oh my God, Percy, stay retired, bro. <laughs> stay retired. We don't need the migraine. All right, so Carlos Hyde worked exclusively with the backups at Chiefs camp Monday. We've been saying this for. About a week now. Carlos Hyde going to get cut. It is what it is. Uh, Saints activated defense attack in Sheldon Rankins. Achilles from the active pup list. Uh, NFL media NFL media's Ian Rappaport reports David Moore. Shoulder will not go into injured reserve, which actually was surprising. I thought, you know, after hearing about him getting hurt, I thought he was going to be put on IR, but they're not doing it. So Noah Fant returned to practice with the ankle. You know, last week he got hurt in the game. Uh, he returned to practice. Anthony Miller returned to practice on Monday. 
Paris Campbell's hamstring returned to Colts practice on Monday. That's a big deal. And I believe Odell Beckham resumed practicing on Monday. That's huge. What else have we got? Uh, all right, I think this is the last piece of news. Speaking Monday, Jay Co- yeah, Redskins coach Jay Gruden said he seriously doubts that Redskins will trade holdout left tackle Trent Williams. So that's basically it. Ev- Mike Evans also returned to practice on Monday. I think a lot of these guys just are, you know, trying to trying to. They know the the season is where we are now, oh. nine days away. You know, they they just they're trying to rest their bodies. They're they've been through the the the, the brutal training camps and you know, two a days and whatnot. So they're just <laughs> they might they might accident. You know, oh, I I tweet I tweet a hamstring. I gotta go. I gotta go see the the doctor for a couple of days. You're you know, right. lay, lay off it from having to do anything. But you know. Exactly. Yeah, so Ezekiel Elliott says he wants to be a Cowboy for the rest of his life. Uh, Kenyon Drake returned to practice on Monday. Uh, Sterling Shepard, they're saying he's going to be good for week one. And then the last, definitely the last piece of news, because this is on Sunday, but we got uh, Patriots activated Josh Gordon from the NFI list. So he was uh, allowed to return from the league but he had not been activated by the patriots until monday now he is active can play and practice and all that stuff you know uh with the patriots and it looks like he's doing that so that's a big deal that gives me a whole lot more confidence in anyone who drafted you know gordon and uh you know you needed that to happen for him to be eligible to play this dude even i mean this dude misses a lot of time on the field but he looks like he does nothing but work out when he is off I the know. field dude, i mean it's it's, it's unbelievable he just he stays in ridiculous shape every time you see him he's just he's a physical specimen and he's got yeah. all the he's got all the talent so yeah, we're definitely really gonna, yeah we'll touch on him a little bit yeah all right so let's see is there any major piece of news you want to talk about dan no i'll just bring up for 2 seconds that uh I like to hear about the Jarrett McKinnon only for my own personal um, uh, satisfaction that, you know, I have him in our league as a, as a keeper. I traded Kev, you know, a, a swap for him, a round swap for him. So I like to hear that Jarrett McKinnon, and I think they still said he's doubtful for week one, but, you know, when he got hurt a few weeks back, they were saying, you know, this could be an extended injury, and now it looks like it's it's progressing along better than what they're hoping for. So uh, it's good news. I mean, with that backfield, Matt, and Breda looks awesome. He looks awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know what? I mean, Coleman looks good. It's just, you know, it's we've been preaching this for for months now, and it is even though it's only preseason, it is panning out to look like it's going to be a running machine of an offense. So, um, anybody that is drafted, you know, don't be afraid of of McKinnon. Very, I mean, he's going to be in late, you know, 15, 16. But any of these three running backs, if you can get your hands on them, Coleman's going early, but. You know, don't be afraid to get Breda because these guys are going to get touches and they're going to they're going to get some points here. Yeah, I think people just forget how great Jarek McKinnon was with the Vikings the year before he got traded to or well went to the 49ers on a uh, free agent deal of ten million dollars. You know, uh, they paid him a lot of money to come over there and he is a very good pass catching back. One of the best in the league and. Kyle Shanahan specifically went and got him because he really liked what he would be able to do in this offense. 
So if he can find a way to stay healthy, he could be a weapon that Kyle Shanahan uses, and I want Kyle Shanahan weapons, period. Um, really, for the other news, there's not too much here that I really want to hit on. I do want to hit on uh, Dare Ogunboale. Uh, the reason I want to do that is because, like I said, he's a player that you know has looked good in the preseason. You know, I know he's not playing against you know number one defenses because they really haven't used him with the ones um, all that much. But when he's gotten his opportunity, he's playing well. He seems to be able to block pretty well when you watch him. You know, he stands back there and he's not scared to throw his body at a, at a defender, which is a big deal, especially because Jones has not shown any compensity to be able to do that. Um, doesn't, you know, he's just not a guy that I feel like is, you know, I just don't like, I just don't like Jones's game. And I think they're looking for, Jones is bad. yeah, he's just not good. And I, you know, I just feel like they're looking for any excuse for any kind of spark in any player to give them a chance. And I think they're going to give a Gumbawale a chance. So, you know, definitely a player that I am very interested in and you guys should be too. Uh, and then that's basically it for the news. Let's get to Mr. Andrew. Yes. Mr. Andrew Luck. So, uh, the other piece of news we obviously did not mention because we knew we were going to break it down, uh, was Andrew Luck retired from football. We said it yesterday on the podcast that we were going to talk about it today. And this is where we're going to talk about it. So we are not going to get into whether we think that Andrew Luck was right in doing what he did or if he was wrong in doing what he did. We are a fantasy football podcast, and he is a man who made a decision, and I am not a man that's going to talk badly about another man's decision, you know I mean, with his own life. So I give him all the respect in the world. I love Andrew Luck as a player, and I thank him for the seven years of – seven years plus because in Stanford he was awesome to watch – but I thank him for his his play, and you know, that's basically all I say about that. Yeah, I mean, I I did a little uh, a little blog this you know this morning. I posted it, and you know, the first part of it touches on Andrew Luck, the fantasy player, and then you know, the second part touches on Andrew Luck, the person, and basically said the same thing. Like I'm I I'm literally not judging him for what he what he did. I know a lot of people out there are very sour. And um, they feel like he was wrong in what he did, but doing it two weeks prior to the season. But uh, I'm not judging him on that. You know, he's he's a grown man. He he knows what his body can and can't handle. He knows what he wants to do with the rest of his life. And you know, best best of luck in your next endeavors. And it's literally what I said, Steve. You know, like I said, thank you for the football that we got to enjoy from you. It's it's a shame we're not going to get to enjoy more of it because. The guy was, you know, when he's on top of his game, he is he is exciting to watch. He's competitive. He's he's a reason he is he's the reason we watch football. You know, you watch some of these guys that just they're in it for the money, they're in it for the fame, they're in it for you know, just they're they're just out there to get a paycheck. And they have moments of greatness. They have moments of, but this guy's out there. He's competing every single drive, every single play. He he wanted to win. You could just tell by everything. You know. The way he his teammates loved him, Ty actually said, you know, a little, a little something nice about him. You know, called him his brother today. Mm. Um, so it's just sad to see him go, but the show must go on. Exactly. Next man up. It is what it is. So 
Um, we're going to get into the players on, obviously, this team uh, that will be mainly affected. If you go on the website, probably tomorrow, I'm going to have a full, complete breakdown of, uh, you know, all the play, all the relevant players that you are worried about on the Colts, and I'm going to break down, you know, their numbers. You know, the year that Brissett was in there, you got also got to remember Chuck Pagano was the coach back then, and not Frank Wright. You know, just a whole bunch of things that I'm going to throw at you. I'm going to be throwing numbers at you. I'm going to be throwing, you know, tape that I've watched on Brissett, and you know how I've seen him progress as a quarterback from you know 17 to 19. Um, you know, just a whole lot of information that you know you can read up on the website. And uh, really get a feel for, you know, all these Colts players. So we'll just do a quick breakdown of each guys, how we feel, you know, and then you guys can go read the article uh, to get more information. But so let's start with T.Y. Hilton. I mean, Dan, um, T.Y. Hilton is a guy that I feel like is probably dropping the most. And it's because he was the highest guy being drafted other than Andrew Luck. Um, so, you know, I feel like he's probably going He's dropped into like the fifth, I think mid fifth now is his ADP. If you look at that, you know, how do you feel? How do you feel, Dan, after, you know, the Andrew Luck news? I think it's accurate. Um, You know, uh, you're going from a guy who he had incredible chemistry with and, you know, he, he's, he was, he was a home run hitter for them. And now you're going to, you know, a guy who's been, you know, the second fiddle for the last year, a couple of years. So, uh, it's accurate. You know, he's got to build a new chemistry with it, but he's a, he's a good receiver. I mean, and he's, he's obviously still the number one and they got to, I think Frank Reich will, will, will do. I think the best thing about still keeping T Y Hilton as, you know, a, a top receiver is because of Frank Reich, Frank Reich being a former, a former, um, quarterback for the bills and, and knowing, you know, offenses. And he, obviously for the Eagles, he, he took Foles to the super bowl and, MVP. So he knows, he know much like Andy Reid. He knows how to mold quarterbacks. He knows how to. He doesn't. He doesn't basically. He's not a Chip Kelly where he says it's my offense. Players must adapt to my offense. He will. He's good at adapting to a player's strengths. So he'll figure out what Brissett's strengths are. He already knows Ty strengths from you know being there for the last two years. So I think. Uh, I think that. I think we'll see a drop in Ty. I don't. I can't, I'm like, you can't really say that Ty is going to go out there and and light the world on fire, without Andrew Luck. I mean, it's you know I don't think it's comparable, but uh, I th- I still think Ty is going to have a good year. But I think it's I think the ADP drop. I mean, obviously it's a, it's a it's a drop fast because of the initial shock, but I think it's pretty accurate. I, I mean, I think it's still getting him in the fifth round is is uh, is good value. Yeah, I agree. I you know I I actually like the drop. Uh, in 2017, um, you know, when Brissett basically took the job because of Andrew Luck's shoulder, you know, we, we all have to keep in mind. So, you know, I have, I, it says it in the article, he basically was signed September 2nd, right? And football starts after Labor Day. So if you sign on September, September 2nd, I believe the season started last year, September 9th was the first game, was their first game. So... My man got signed seven days before the start of the, the regular season. You know, he didn't play the first game. Uh, Scott Talzine was the quarterback who started the first game, and he was just terrible. And then uh, Brissett came in. I want to believe – I believe it was like halftime, and they basically just 
let him go after that. And he basically was the quarterback the rest of the season. Uh, T.Y. had 109 targets, 57 catches, 966 yards, and four touchdowns. The four touchdowns really what killed him because 966 yards from, from your wide receiver you'd be happy with. Uh, you know, 57 catches is a little low. But, you know, T.Y. has always been like a, you know, 70-catch guy. So he's never been like, you know, the super high-volume catch guy. You know, he's not going to catch 100 passes even with Andrew Luck playing with him. So, you know, I do think the catches might go down a little bit. You know, the yards are probably going to go down a little bit, and the touchdowns will go down a little bit. But I still think he's going to be a top 24 guy. You know, I, I'm not I'm not really too scared of him not being a top 24. I still think he'll finish in that range, you know, 20 to 24, somewhere in there. And if, you know, if Brissett has progressed in a way that we see on the field that is, you know, very evident, he could be a top 20 guy, you know, 15 to 20 guy. Because we all know how talented T.Y. is. So I'm not too worried about him. I do think that uh, I like the way he's dropping. But, you know, he definitely does have his his uh, share of making me a little bit nervous. But I, I, it's a confident nervous. Um, so Marlon Mack is the next guy we'll talk about. Uh, Marlon Mack, I think some people will fall into the school of no Andrew Luck means... Marlon Mack's going to get a whole lot of touches, but, you know, if you look at, you know, teams that have lost their starting quarterback, you know, they do tend to run the ball more, but it's not a more effective running game because you need the, you need the quarterback to be moving the ball and doing all those things. So I don't see a spike in Marlon Mack's, you know, production, but I also don't see a crazy fall in his production either. I kind of still have him where I had him, the whole time, you know, 18, 19 at running back. I still think he's an RB2. I'm not going to drop him, you know, because of Andrew Luck not being there. And I'm also not going to, you know, jump him up, you know, into the top like 15 or anything like that. You know, I, I feel like the offensive line there is very good. We watched them last year. They were top three offensive line in football, you know, uh, and I just feel like he's going to be a productive guy. I'm not I'm not scared of him. You know, if you, you get him in your draft, I feel like he's basically going to be the same as he was with Andrew Luck. I don't see a big drop. I don't see a big, you know, production spike. So, you know, I, I, I like Mac the same way I did before. Yeah, I, I at first I kind of uh, – I was more on the optimistic side of, say, you know, feeling that Mac was going to get a little more work, which he actually made – you know, like touched – basically like you touched on, he may get more work without Andrew Luck. You know, they may need to – um, to run the ball more, but then the more I evaluate it, the more I thought it's on the same level as you. Is that, you know, he may he may have an increase to me in touches and yards, but he may have a decrease in touchdowns because Brissett's not going to be putting him in the same position of scoring as Andrew Luck was. So, um, if anything, I would move him a couple players down, but I would pretty much be just like you, Steve. I would I would have him same spot, you know, RB two. I think he's going to still finish in the top twenty four. I didn't have him finishing in the top 10 to begin with. I still think he'll be in that, you know, 12 to 24 range. Um, I don't think, you know, I, I like, I just like Frank Reich as a coach. So I still think, you know, I still think he's going to have this team competitive. Um, they do have some talent around, you know, some talent all over the place. They got a, a, a couple of really good tight ends. Uh, they got, you know, receivers, Campbell's, you know, he's, he's uh seems to be healthy again. So, yeah, same thing as you, Steve. Pretty much keep him right where he's at. Maybe drop him a couple, but if he's 
if I'm drafting and he's available for me at the same spot that he was before Andrew Luck retired, I'm probably still taking him there. Yep, I agree. So uh, the next guys we'll get in, nice segue, Dan. We'll get right into the tight ends. So Jack Doyle, Eric Ebron. I was never high on Ebron all season long. I've been telling you guys that I don't like Ebron, and now I like him even less. Um, I feel like he doesn't have the same rapport with Brissett that Jack Doyle does. In 2007, when Jack Doyle was the main tight end for the the Indianapolis Colts, uh, Brissett targeted him 23% of the total team targets, which is a big number for a tight end. You know what I mean? That is a big number for a tight end. So Jack Doyle and Brissett already have a rapport. So I feel that Jack Doyle would be the safer pick. I'm not sure how much I want either one of these guys uh, without Andrew Luck, but I do definitely know that of the two, I want Jack Doyle. And Ebron, to me, is almost, you know, touchdown bust tight end. And those tight ends are your tight end 15 16 17 the guys that you're picking up off the waiver wire with a good matchup hoping that they score a touchdown and that's just that's kind of the way i felt about you know ebron the whole time so the tight ends don't really move that much for me jack doyle might move out of my top 12 into like tight end 13 but you know he's not he's not dropping out you know he's not not somebody that i would be super scared of drafting i actually think uh I actually liked Jack Doyle a lot with uh, without Andrew Luck. I actually think he he creeps up even a few. I mean, I, w- I was higher on him than than Ebron after we evaluated both of them and saw the production that um, Doyle had over Ebron. When you know, with both of these quarterbacks, regardless of quarterback, you know, Doyle has way more production over Ebron when they're on the field together. He's just he's just a better tight end. You know, he's he's just flat out a better tight end. Ebron had a monster touchdown year last year when when Doyle was out, but he's just a much better tight end. So. Um, I think that that will benefit uh, Brissett a lot. I think he's going to, I think out of all the guys early on, he's going to build a chemistry with Doyle fastest. Um, like you said, he already had, you know, a little chemistry before, but I, I actually, I like Doyle. I think Doyle's going to have a really good year. Um, slightly better than he may have had when uh, Andrew Luck was there, because Andrew Luck, I think, was going to spread the field a little more than, uh, than Brissett. But I think Brissett, I just like, you know, I like, really good tight ends and mediocre quarterbacks because I feel like they're a really good, you know, security safety blanket for them. Definitely. All right. So the only other thing I really want to talk about with the Colts, because it's really the only other relevant position because, you know, all the rookies and all that, uh, I think they all drop. They all, you know, most people are not going to even be drafting Paris Campbell and, you know, uh, the other receivers there. I just feel like, you know, Devin Funches is dropping. They're all dropping. So, you know, those guys are probably not being drafted in, in most leagues now with Prezetic quarterback. Um, so we're not going to get into those guys. But the defense was very good last year. They improved. They were one of the better. They were definitely probably, I would say, if not the most improved defense of last season, uh, definitely a top three most improved defense. I'm not saying they're a top three defense. I'm saying they're a top – three improved defense from what they were in 2017. Um, So for me, I like, you know, I like the Colts defense still. I think that Brissett will be able to move the ball. So they're not going to be on the field, you know, an insane amount. They'll be on the field more than they would obviously with Andrew Luck. But I do think that they are a very good defense and I'm not scared to draft them. If you know, you want to take a late, a late defense in the Colts. 
Yeah, I agree. I'm not. I don't need. Not going to touch on the defense too much. Uh, I don't really think Luck retiring is too much impactful on where they move up or down. So um, basically, where you know, I had them kind of middle of the pack, a little higher the middle before, and I'll keep them right there. Definitely. All right, guys. So we are done with the Andrew Luck and the Colts. Uh, we are going to go to this week's preseason games. We're going to talk a little bit about the preseason games, things that we liked. There really wasn't that much in the preseason this week that I, you know, that I saw that I really wanted to hit on here. Um, the, you know, there's three things that I will hit on. Um, a lot of people saw, well, a lot of people saw the box score of the Browns Tampa Bay game and saw that Baker Mayfield completed like three for 13 passes or something ridiculous. It was really bad. It was terrible um, if you looked at the box score. But if you watched the game, he actually, you know, there was a lot of balls that were batted at the line of scrimmage. There were balls that, you know, wide receivers just flat out dropped. Uh, he did have a couple of passes there that just didn't look good. But, you know, for me, it was more drops and you know, batted balls at the line of scrimmage more than, you know, him just being terrible. So if you looked at the box score and you, you know, you were like, oh, man, this dude, I don't know. You know, if that's if that scared you, that box score, then I think you need to watch the tape of that game because it wasn't as bad as the numbers would suggest. Yeah, I will. Um, I'll touch on a guy that I've been preaching about pretty pretty consistently over the last couple months and uh, you know James Washington he caught a 41 yard touchdown the only it was his only catch uh, he didn't see a whole lot of time out there with with Ben and you know came out there a little later and um, you know he ran a nice route and he made a play on the ball and it was it was nice to see you know when you're, when you're talking about guys that are you know with the huge upside you know obviously everybody was talking about Moncrief is is the number two and Washington is you know the clear cut number three but you know I think that uh, I think you know I think Washington with his ability is going to going to have a good year. So it was good seeing him catch a touchdown. But who you got as your as your second game? Yeah, my second game was the Cardinals Vikings game. There's a couple of things I want to hit on in this game because there was a couple of big highlight plays and uh, you know the talk about Kyler. So uh, in this game, Kyler Murray went for I believe it was what was it 14? I think he completed 14. Let me pull this up. 14 passes for 21 or of 21 attempts uh, for 137 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, he also had four, you know, four rushes for nine yards. Um, you know, he, he was getting out of the pocket. Well, he was moving around back there. Well, he was, he was evading tacklers. Uh, you know, all the stuff that you saw in Kyler Murray in college, you saw in this game, uh, Kyler Murray, the numbers are a little deceiving. You know, he had a two, you know, uh, uh, two thirds, completion percentage um but watching him you know in this game you could tell the office is offense is just so vanilla they're not trying to show anything and i think that affected his numbers in this game you know his numbers still look good you know 14 of 21 but the offense they're running is not the offense that he's used to running so i felt like some of the pass patterns and stuff is not pass patterns he's you know used to looking at so I think that affected his game a little bit in this one. He didn't look really, really good. He didn't look bad. He just looked okay. Um, you know, some of the young receivers looked really good. You know, Keyshawn Johnson had a fantastic game. Um, you know, there was 
uh, Demir Bird had a really good game. I think he had like a 33-yard catch like to start off the game. You know, really pretty pass by Kyler. And, uh, you know, Larry Fitzgerald went in there, caught one pass, and basically they pulled him out. Uh, Christian Kirk had a touchdown in the, in the corner of the end zone that was called back on a holding call. That was a really beautiful pass right on the corner of the end zone. You know, Kirk caught it, got his feet down, but, you know, the holding call negated it. Um, so I liked what I saw out of Kyler. Uh, and on the other side of the ball, Dalvin Cook just – boy. So I'm not going to get – He's got he's got wheels. Dude, he is so fast, bro. He's got he wheels. so fast. But I'm not going to get crazy excited about that play. I know people are going to amp you up about that play. What we have to remember here is the Cardinals defense may be the worst run defense in football this year. They are going to be terrible. It is just there's no question in my mind this def- this rush defense is going to be bad. Um, you know, this is two games in a row that, you know, they had their starters in and the offensive starters on the other team, you know, looked awesome. You know, I mean, Raiders last week and the Vikings this week. So you know, I just, you know, Alexander Madison looked good in this game, you know, and he hasn't looked really good at all, you know, this preseason. Uh, he was getting some, you know, nice run with, you know, when the ones were out there. But, um, you know, I, I'm not going to get crazy excited, but that that place just showed you how fast Cooks is and he can he can crack a big one. Yeah, I'll um I'll touch on a couple of things. But first, I want to I'll just talk about the Arizona thing, game. And um, I mean, I really stay pretty even keel with with Kyler through the first three preseason preseason games because it is exactly that it's preseason. Um, you know when Kev was talking about they were trash after like preseason game one, it kind of reminded me of the segment that ESPN does Overreaction Monday, and it's like mm-hmm. you know he's like, well their offensive line is so bad, you can't draft you know Johnson High. Kyler's not going to be the guy that everyone thought. It's like you know you got to cut the guy a little slack. He's literally just learning this offense. He's learning he's learning the NFL and. Fitzgerald actually said that he, you know, he came out last week and said that Murray knows the offense better than anybody on that team. So, you know, that was that was, you know, encouraging to hear if you're a Kyler Murray fan. But um, I, I think they'll be I think they'll, that offense will be fine. I think Kyler Murray will be fine. I think Kyler Murray will be great someday. Uh, so I just wanted to touch on that. And it was good to see that he's slowly making progress. And like you said, I mean, I said from week one, they're not going to if if this Kingsbury offense is, is you know, revolutionary is what they're talking about. He's not going to pull out all the tricks in, in the preseason. He's going to, he's going to wait to show that. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was actually a couple of things, but uh, the Tennessee Titans, they're, they're talking about, I mean, no, this is not really fantasy related, but they're talking about, um, you know, Tannehill taking uh, Mariota's job because Tannehill looks incredible in the preseason and Mariota looked awful in that last game. Uh, Mary looked good in the first the first preseason game, but Tannehill looked better, and then Mariota looked bad in week two, and he looked he looked. I mean, they, he was out there for like three or four drives and threw three passes and went over three. It was it was about as rough of a uh, performance as I've seen even in preseason. And Tannehill once again for three weeks in a row. Well, Tannehill didn't look as good in week three, but he looked better than he, he looked way better than Mariota. He's looked a lot better than Mariota last uh, this this preseason. I agree. Ryan Tannehill had a nice pass to Corey Davis down, you know, the middle of the field for 25 yards. Corey Davis. <laughs> so, you know, honestly, I I got to say it. If I'm the Tennessee Titans, I am giving Mariota the shortest lease, 
in the history of football. I literally am giving him game one. And if he doesn't show me that they're going to win that game or they have a possibility of winning that game because of him, I'm pulling him and I'm, I'm putting Tannehill in. Tannehill just looks like the better the better passer. He looks more confident in the pocket than Mariota. He just he looks like a guy that should be the starter. I mean, like that's that's what I'm seeing in the preseason, and you know, I just and I loved Mariota coming out of college. You know, I yeah, I, me too. I did. I you know, I loved him in Oregon. I thought he was going to be fan. yeah. I thought he Huge was going to be great. I really did, and you know, I. I the one thing I think is good like I feel that's good about my fantasy analysis is I don't have take lock like I I have learned in all the years of doing this trying to figure out you know best players and doing this and doing that when you have take lock about any player it 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 it, it puts a shield over your eyes to things that you need to be seeing and if you watch Mariota he looks he looks broken he looks not confident. He looks like he sees shadows. He's running out of the pocket when there's nobody near him. I just I just don't like what I'm seeing out of Mariota, and I think Ryan Tannehill looks much better. I don't think Ryan Tannehill is any kind of excellent quarterback at all, but for this offense, I definitely think he's going to be better. Uh, and I do think he's going to take that job. Yeah. So sure. Go ahead. Go to, uh, go to your last game, and then I'll hit you with my last game. All right, so my last game – it was kind of a toss-up between a couple of, of the preseason games, but a lot of starters didn't play. Um, but, you know, the last game that I wanted to hit on was the Jaguars-Dolphins, and that's really only because uh, of Nick Foles and uh, – what's his name? D.D. Westbrook. Didi. Yeah, what D.D. Westbrook did. Uh, you know, Nick Foles, uh, he targeted D.D. seven times. You know what I mean? D.D. caught four of those. For I believe it was like 30-some yards and a touchdown. I'm um, pulling up the numbers now. Yes, he had four catches for 29 yards and a touchdown. He tar- It was targeted seven times by by uh, Nick Foles. Nick Foles only threw 10 passes. So, you know, for me, just seeing that, you know, DJ Shark wasn't out there. So, I mean, you can't, you can't, you don't get the whole picture. And, uh, you know, Marquise Lee was also not out there. You know, they, they didn't have every one of their pieces, but... I like the way that offense moved. I thought Leonard Fournette, you know, his numbers still look 3.9 rushing yards, but he looked like uh, that he's going to be very involved. You know, he had two catches for 19 yards. You know, the first catch was like a three-yard catch, and then the next catch was like a, you know, 16-yard catch. He looked good catching the ball of the backfield. Um, so I, I, I do have have hopes for this offense. I think Didi is definitely the receiver I want in this offense, and the Dolphins just look terrible. Yeah, there's there's not really a whole lot you can talk about the Dolphins, but um, yeah, DD was uh he was definitely highly targeted, and he he should have caught more balls, but their their timing was off on a, on a couple of those uh, crossing routes, um, which will definitely clear up. Nick Foles is a very accurate quarterback; he's a very timing quarterback. So, um, you know, if they can get on the same page, they should have a very good chemistry this year. It was nice seeing them, you know, uh, work work so much together in the early going. And yep, we'll just I'll just keep on pounding the the, the uh, the talk about Fournette until the cows come home because he's going to be a beast this year. Uh, the last game I'll talk about, or player I should say, someone that I wasn't really wasn't really high on because I didn't, you know, I, there's not a lot. He's being drafted so high, and there's not a lot of 
background on him other than the offense he's in, and that's Damian Williams. And when he caught that little uh, that little 15-yard out route and just one cut up field and just burners to the den zone, I was like, all right, this guy's he's he's legit. I mean, you know, I think you just have to be, you know, moderately to above averagely talented to be in an offense like that, and you're going to get a ton of work and you're going to have a lot of success because Mahomes is. He's 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 an he's an unbelievable quarterback, and with the with the receiving court they got around him, and you know he's just I, that play right there just it moved him up like four notches on on my on my book as long as he can stay healthy because I know that his injuries have been a problem as well. But that was a fun play to watch, and this Kansas City offense is going to be scary. Yeah, yeah, I don't really have too much to add to that. I agree. Uh, Damian Williams really hasn't moved up or down in my ranks. I still think he's you know a great. And a, a great RB2 and, you know, could still possibly finish in, you know, the top 12. I definitely believe that. And that's basically what I believe the entire, you know, the entire preseason. I told you guys the other day that, you know, Darwin Thompson is not somebody I'm scared of. You know, I don't think he's direct backup. I think Daryl Williams is uh, to, you know, the run game. You know, I think Thompson will be used in the pass game if Williams goes down. But unless Williams goes down, neither one of those guys is going to be super relevant. So, you know, I haven't Thompson- changed my mind. Thompson really only had that, a couple good plays, and other than that, he really hasn't been that. Like I think people saw, well, you know, week one that he, you know, he made a a splash, yeah. and everybody just built him up so much. So he's been rising on the uh, on the ADPs. But other than that, he's, I think it's being over, you know, overdriven a little bit for me. I mean, I know for you too. I, I know Kev's a little higher on Thompson, I think, than than we are. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think uh, Williams number two is going to be number two. Yeah, I, I I definitely agree. Um, so let's see here. We are going to do our next segment since we are done with the preseason. And our next segment is a one that you guys know, shoots and ladders. So what we're going to do on shoots and ladders is we basically give you guys that are rising and falling in ADP. And then we tell you what we think about those guys. So uh, some of these guys you have heard us talk about. And we are going to hit on them again because either they are rising uh, you know, two, three rounds, or they are falling two, three rounds, uh, either direction. So, um, I will read off my two guys that are going up, uh, for my list. And my two guys that are moving up the ranks are Miles Sanders and DD Westbrook. Um, DD Westbrook, we just hit on, you know, super highly targeted by Nick Foles the other day. Uh, and I think that people saw that performance and, they want every piece of D.D. Westbrook they can get, especially in PPR leagues. He is moving up the boards. He has moved up the boards, I believe, two and a half rounds in the past week, uh, which is a big jump. You know, he was in mid-round eight. Now he is being drafted in, you know, basically end of round five, beginning of round six. So that's a big jump. Um, so I'm not going to hit too much more into him. Miles Sanders, uh, I have been beating the drum for this guy since pff, forever. Since basically he got drafted, I, I mean, I, I am not an Eagles fan, and when he got drafted to the Eagles, you should have seen how happy I was. I was literally watching the draft, and when the Eagles took him, I threw my arms up in complete happiness. I was just like, yes, like I, I you, you would have thought that he went to the Bills because I love this kid's talent, and I really wanted him to go to a team with a good offensive line, and I am like 
super happy that he went to the Eagles because they have the, to me, they have the number one offensive line in fantasy football, in football period. And I just really liked where his landing spot. So uh, I think Miles Sanders was the best back in this draft. I've been saying that for months, and I love his game. And I do think he's going to be a, you know, 16 to 18 touchback in this this in this backfield and i i love him i love this kid i think he's going to be very very good this year and i said it the other day and i put my stamp on it uh you know if i'm wrong it is it is what it is i will admit it 100 but i think he could be a fantasy football league winner yeah no he's he's too he's too talented i mean there's there's no there's nothing that you know there's no reports there's no one that has watched this guy that has said anything but you know how talented he is um He's just he didn't get the acknowledgement coming out of college because he had the, you know, I guess good that his Saquon body didn't take abuse. Yeah, he basically had the unfortunate for for him unfortunate, you know, thing of being behind a the, generational the, talent. That's literally the, this, what happened. The state Paul Barkley. So um, we didn't we didn't get to see you know except all for one year that one year he showed off pretty good, but we didn't get to see what this kid's made of. But we will. Um, I know, I, I know we talked, I spoke of JJ, I was like a white side last, you know, last podcast and said, he's going to be a huge talent in this league. And so will Miles Sanders. So keep two of those. And I'm not saying this as a homer. I'm saying this as, as you know, with my own eyes, uh, I, I've watched every Eagles play in preseason. I, I, I was at, you know, I was at training camp on the field watching it. And these guys, these guys are legit. They may not make splashes too big right away because they are rookies and they're playing in a, uh, in an offense that, you know, won a Super Bowl two years ago and has done nothing but added more talent to the offense. You know, I mean, it's going to be tough for JJ to, you know, have a huge year when you have the, uh, you know, Ertz and Alshon and Deshaun Jackson and Nelson Aguilar's in front of you. So it, it it's going to be a matter of time, but both of these guys are going to be, they're going to be stars. So I love miles. It's just, scoop him up as you know in many drafts as you can because at some point during this year jordan howard's just he's just not he's i'm not gonna say he's not good because he is a good running back he's just not i don't think he can take the workload like miles sanders can basically once miles once miles shows that he can handle that 16 to 18 carries it will be his to you know to lose i definitely agree i love him um, so my two guys that I have uh, sliding down the boards is Zach Ertz, which is surprising to me, and uh, Tariq Cohen. Zach Ertz was being drafted early to mid-round two. He is going in the late third round now, uh, and I really don't get it. So I completely understand the logic that, you know, he had the most, you know, he, he had he broke the record for you know catches by a tight end and he had you know the biggest you know yards he him and kelsey were fighting back and forth for i mean uh not him and kelsey him and uh what's his name kittle. yeah all three of them kittle all three yeah, of them were, were fighting all, for the yardage yeah, huge yards and you know i i get all that i 100 get it so you know my thing is if he is going if he let's say let's put a number on it let's say he drops 20% of his production that he did last year, right? Uh, looking at his production last year, I'm pulling it up. If he has a 20% drop in his total production. I 95 really, catches? Yeah. So I really don't think that is a crazy 
you know, a crazy amount of of lost, you know, of lost catches. So Zach Ertz last year had 156 targets. He had 116 catches, right? So 116 receptions. If he drops off, let's say, let's say even 30, right? 80 catches. That is a fantastic season for a tight end, right? Like if your catch, if you're especially in a PPR league, if your tight end caught catches you 80 balls, you're gonna be happy as hell. You're gonna be like really happy. His eight, you know, his 80 catches for for Ertz could be 900 yards and eight touchdowns. Guess what? That's still a tight end one, and I don't think his numbers are gonna drop off that much. I do think he's gonna be like a 90 catch guy. You know what I mean? I think he's going to be, you know. Nine to a thousand yards. I still think he's going to get to that area. I think you know last year he scored, what he scored touchdown wise. He had eight touchdowns. I don't think it's crazy to think that he gets ten, especially when you think of all the weapons that the Eagles have now. Like if they use their big boy package and they bring in JJ Arcega Whiteside and they bring in Alshon Jeffrey and they bring in uh, Goddard and they bring in Ertz all at the same time, who the hell do you defend? Like, what one of those guys do you say, I have to double team this guy? You can't. There's no one you can double team because they're all just so big. You have to just single cover these guys. And if you double, then one of them is getting open. And, and Ertz is the best route runner out of all four of them guys. So he's going <laughs> to be the guy that, that probably gets open. Exactly. Especially, so, especially, especially when you have to put a, you know, you have to sneak your safety up on him or slide your linebacker up on him. No safety and linebacker in the NFL can cover Zach Ertz. Exactly. So for me, you know, the, the, the nonsense that I'm hearing that, oh, regression is coming, regression is coming, regression is coming. Yes, but you have to be logical. You have to think about it. Regression. Okay, so Patrick Mahomes, it's the same thing. If Patrick Mahomes regresses, everyone is saying it. He's going to regress. He's going to regress. He's going to regress, right? He's still being drafted the number one quarterback because his regression is still going to be more than than his even his regression points. If he scores 35 touchdowns, he's going to be a top flight quarterback, period. And it's the same thing with Zach Ertz. You have to use that same mentality when you're talking about these tight ends. He is still going to be a top three tight end. He has the possibility of being he has the possibility of being the number one. You know, Kelsey, I believe, by far is the best tight end in fantasy football. Kelsey could could outscore him. You know what I mean? It is a possibility. I don't think it's likely, but it's a possibility. And for everyone to say, oh, regression, 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 and not really think about what the regression could be, you know, I think is is silly. So I will just say that. And I think, you know, I think people are being a little crazy when it comes to the regression of Zach Ertz. Uh, Tariq Cohen is the other guy. Tariq Cohen, another guy. He's just, I don't, I don't see what everybody else sees. I, I, I understand, you know, the hype on on uh, David Montgomery. I get it. He, he looks really good in the preseason. But I don't think he's going to eat into Tyreek Cohen's workload because Tyreek Cohen, to me, is the best pass-catching back in football. If you watched football last year and you saw how dynamic this dude was on the field, he was incredible in the open field. If he got into the open field with, no, with, with corners – trying to hunt him down he would just juke a little bit hit the outside and just be gone he was awesome last year you know what i mean and i think people forget that the dude caught 71 catches for 725 yards that's 10 that's 10 yards per catch like that's over 10 yards per catch that's insane that's i a, think that i think there's numbers actually i think 
he might be in that 70 catch range again, but I think he I think he gets in that eight or nine hundred yard range because he's he's a he's an absolute weapon with the ball in his hands. Dude, he's so dynamic. He's just so dynamic. And if you believe most people believe that Trubisky is going to be better this year, if you think Trubisky is going to be better this year, then you have to believe that Tariq Owen could be better this year. You know what I mean? Like he is just a really, really, really talented running back. You know, with the ball in space. And I, Matt Nagy is not an idiot. And he runs the same offense as Andy Reid. And if you guys know anything about the the Randy Reid offense, Andy Reid is 100% the best screen the best screen coach maybe in the history of football. Yeah, he, I was going to say ever. Yeah, look at back yeah. to look at back to the Brian Westbrook days when they yep. used to when they used to set Brian Westbrook up and they would they would they would pinch their set. I mean, he's the one that almost started, you know, pulling the center all the way out as a lead yep. blocker. Exactly. And they they do the same thing in Chicago. They do the same thing in Kansas City. And it, and it it you have to have agility offensive line, but it works when you know how to do it right. It works. It works beautifully, and Andy Reid's offense all are able to do it. And Matt Nagy is an Andy Reid disciple, and I don't understand why T- Tariq Cohen is is falling the way he's falling. He is going to be used in this offense. He's awesome. All right, so I will uh, I'll start with my two guys that are on the rise. We'll start with um, with Tyler Lockett. Uh, they, you know, coming into this year, they, you know, with the year he had. You know, can he hold up to be the the number one? You know, with obviously with Doug Baldwin retiring, Doug Baldwin didn't really have a, a stellar year last year. But with Doug Baldwin, he, he had obviously had the rapport with with uh, Russell Wilson. But could Tyler Lockett be the number one? And I think they came out you know a couple of days ago and they said he is without a doubt the number one. He's embracing it and he's ready for the role. And uh, so far in preseason, he's looked he's looked dynamic. Uh, I'm really. I'm really excited to see what he does. And he's still going for, you know, he's climbing up the ranks. Actually, he's climbing up big time over the last week. But uh, he's definitely he's definitely a guy that uh, that I like. I don't. How do you feel about where he's being drafted, Steve? I think he's actually in like the fifth round now. Yeah, I I'm going to be honest. If Tyler Rocket moved up into the beginning of the fourth round, I would take him like I am trying to get Tyler Rocket everywhere. I love Tyler Lockett this season. I I just, you know, so in the one of the listener leagues, we had a listener that, let's just say he vehemently disagrees with my take on Tyler Lockett. Uh, for me, it's very simple. Tyler Lockett is moving into the slot. You know, the slot role that was manned by Doug Baldwin for so many years with, with uh, Russell Wilson. And Tyler Lockett is just going to be ridiculous. He's he, to this year. It would not surprise me if he saw 130, 140 targets. He is by far the best wide receiver on this team. Russell Wilson, I believe, is going to have to throw the ball more because I don't believe this defense is any good. I think it's a bad defense. I think they're going to be, you know, in the mid 20s in total defense given up, uh, total yards given up. And if that's the case. Russell Wilson going to have to throw the ball. And guess what? The best receiver on that team is Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett would not surprise me if he saw if he saw 130 140 targets. And if he sees that many targets, I'm letting you know he is going to be a top 12 guy and I would be and I will say it right now, I think top I think he finishes in the top 10. I really do. Last year in PPR, he he was the number 16 wide receiver. This year, I mean uh, uh in standard leagues, he was the number 11. So a six or seven, you know, man jump 
is not something ridiculous or crazy. And I know he scored a lot of touchdowns, but Russell Wilson throughout his career has always been a high, you know, touchdown guy to pass ratio. He's just awesome. Russell Wilson scores touchdowns, period. You know what I mean? And if Russell Wilson has more throws, he's going – and that's why I told you guys I you know, I don't get take lock. I, I watch the tape. I see what I see, and then I tell you guys. You know what I mean? I was uh, – a month ago I was telling you don't draft Russell Wilson. Stay away from him. Now I'm telling you draft Russell Wilson. <laughs> I wasn't. I, I've been on the Russell Wilson trend <laughs> this whole time, so I'll just, I'll just stay right here in my corner smiling. But I will um, – I will say this about Lockett that if you remember back when Baldwin and Wilson started to develop the rapport together, well, Baldwin was a route runner. He was, I mean, over the last few years, you know, prior to his retirement, but he Baldwin has become a huge play receiver. He is a big, he's, he's got tons of plays over, you know, 30, 40, 50 yards touchdowns too, because I think he started to see how gifted Russell Wilson is outside the pocket. I've been saying this, you know, I've been beating the drum on this, that there's, I don't think there's any quarterback, maybe Rogers and too early to tell about Mahomes, but with his arm, who knows, but I've been saying that, you know, on the run, Russell Wilson is as good as they come as far as, you know, outside the pocket, making the place happen and just throwing beautiful balls outside the pocket. So, you know, I think Doug Baldwin started to see that he started to um, develop his game a little more than just being a route runner. And then he, he, he started to become the, um, you know, the big play receiver. Tyler Lockett don't got to develop that game. Tyler Lockett already <laughs> is the big play receiver. So exactly. you put the combination of what Russell Wilson can do out, you know, extending plays um, with his arm strength, his, his, his accuracy. And, you know, Tyler Lockett's just, just ability to, to find gaps in the defense and, and take advantage of them. Um, that's why I think the more I look at this combination, I'm, you know, I don't think last year was an aberration. I think that it, we're going to see another nice year from Tyler Lockett. Definitely. I'll touch uh, on my second guy. I'm going to, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a combination we've talked about a lot and it's, we're going to continue to talk about it until one of these two guys takes a clear cut head of the other, but you know, Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore. Curtis Samuel seems to look like the better receiver. All three of us said a month and half ago when we did our, uh, we, we did our team breakdowns. Who do we like more? We all said that we not only like Samuel more because he was being drafted a couple rounds later, you know, for the value, but just as an all around receiver, we thought he had much more potential, much more upside. And, you know, just, just watching the tape on these two, I think they're both good receivers. I'm not, I'm not downplaying more. I just don't like the, the spot that, you know, more is being drafted at. I'm, I think, you know, for, and everything that Carolina says is both of these guys are going to be stars. I think they'll both be good receivers, but I think that, uh, I think Curtis Samuel will be a very, very good receiver. Yeah, definitely. I I don't know if I necessarily agree that Curtis has more upside. I do like Curtis a lot. Um, DJ Moore is just amazing with the ball in his hands. So I, I do think DJ has a little bit more upside. But uh, Curtis is – he showed it last year. He's definitely the better route runner. It's not It's not even a question. Uh, who the better route runner is. I think if you asked DJ, if you pulled him aside and you were like, yo, bro, who's the better route runner? He would tell you. Curtis Samuel is 100% the better route runner. Um, and I think he's definitely developing that game. You know, just, okay, so to me, Tredavious White is one of the best corners in in all of football. I think he's a top three corner. I love the kid. I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, so I'm a little bit biased. But, you know, ask anybody who knows football and knows cornerbacks, they'll tell you Tredavious White is definitely one of the best in the game, period. And Tredavious White came out and said, 
this Curtis Samuel dude, he runs routes, boy. Like, he can run routes. And when you have a top three cornerback, in my mind, in football say that about a wide receiver, this guy is super talented. So I love Curtis Samuels. Uh, DJ Moore, just because of his big play upside, I think has more upside because he can score 80-yard 80, 80 touchdowns in, in a blink of an eye. He's just He is very good with the ball in his hands, and I think Cam knows that, and Cam's going to get make it a point to get the ball in his hands as much as possible. Uh, but Curtis Samuel is going to be the guy that Cam relies on in the red zone, especially with Olsen getting older and all that stuff. I, I could definitely see Curtis Samuel scoring, you know, you know, six to nine touchdowns and being very, very, very productive this year. All right. So I guess now we will move on to the uh, shoots part of the program. The uh, the guys that I'm down on. Um, I'm going to start with Royce Freeman. Um Spoke pretty highly about him, thinking that, you know, it could be more of a 55-45, you know, split between him and Philip Lindsay because I wasn't huge on Philip Lindsay. And, I, I, you know, I liked Voris Freeman coming out. Of, another guy I liked coming out of Oregon. Go figure. Maybe I just, you know, like watching Oregon guys <laughs> in that offense. But another guy I liked watching at Oregon and coming out and, you know, his rookie year, he looked awesome, electric, and uh, he seems to be dropping. And, you know, I, I don't think he – I don't know if he even played this last week. Um, I didn't see him out there. So, And two weeks ago, we put up a five rush for zero yard stat line. I mean, that's just terrible. I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, even in preseason, I know I mean, you might not be trying to give it your all, but you got to be able to. I mean, that's like Reggie Bush numbers when he went like seven, you know, seven carries for negative two yards a few years back in the season. But that's bad. So I don't know how you feel about Royce Freeman right now. Yeah, um, I was very low on Royce Freeman last year. Uh, I remember a couple of people asking me about him, and I was telling people, don't draft him because he's going in the third round, and I just don't see that. Um, and I was high on him this year because he was going in round 10, and I loved that area that he was going in because I thought, you know, he's going to get, like Dan said, you know, 45% of the work, maybe maybe even 40% of the work, and I would still be cool with that. You know what I mean? I would be cool with that that workload and him being the goal line guy. But to me, there is a clear there's a clear line between Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman after watching that preseason game the other day. You know what I mean? Like Dan said, five carries, zero yards. Like that if you are fighting for a job, right? If you are fighting to try to be the main back on a team, you can't go five for zero. I don't give a damn what game it is. I don't care if it's the preseason. I don't care if it's, you know, I don't care if it's a scrimmage. I don't care what it is. You have to put what you put on tape 100% goes against you in the NFL. And you just put a five for zero game. You He shows almost no ability to find holes he just kind of plows into the backs of his linemen and you know, people were like, Oh, well, he had a 50 yard run in week one of the preseason. If you saw the hole that my man had to run through in that preseason game, it, it was literally four linemen wide. Like in the NFL, you don't get four linemen wide holes. Like that doesn't happen. So anybody could run for 50 yards when you have a hole the size of a, a mini coop. You know what I mean? Like, it's ridiculous. So, 
I mean, I even said it when he did that. I didn't think that it was impressive. That didn't really impress me that he ran for 50 yards in a hole that was bigger than, you know, Big Mama. It was huge. By the way, Steve, his his stat line for that game was three for 49. So his other two runs, he was negative one yard. <laughs> so besides that gigantic hole, he literally was doing the same thing he did in preseason game two, which was just running into the back of his own lineman. Like, it's... I don't know if he feels threatened that Lindsey's getting a lot of the attention and he was the guy last year and he's just lost his confidence. I mean, I, I, he's a, he's a talented back, but I mean, you know, these guys, these guys, all of them, you know, receivers and running backs they're they can be head cases and they get in their own heads and they just forget how to play. And I think this could be one of those cases where he is just, you know, for me, I'm, I'm staying away from him. I, I'm maybe, Maybe he, uh, you know, he he comes into his own at some point during the season, and he starts to get into that, you know, forty forty five percent workload like we were talking about a few weeks ago. But as of right now, I think you're going to see a a uh, a massive amount of Philip Lindsay, which my brother would be happy with because he has he has him in our keeper league, so he was debating, you know, what he was he was hearing us out and saying, do you guys think you know, do you guys think that Dorian Freeman's going to really take that much? And then they obviously signed Theoretic too, and you know, did they end up dropping Theoretic? No, no, he hurt his shoulder oh, uh, right. in practice. Yeah, yeah. So he was worried about that, and now you know, he's probably after after I'll tell him to listen to his podcast. He'll probably be smiling, saying, <laughs> you know, a little a little more uh, encouraged. But all right, so um, last guy on the list is uh, is Kenyon Drake, and it's just I liked him, but I I don't think I can draft any Miami Dolphins. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, I, I just, yeah. I mean, is this, is this going to be the worst team in the NFL this year? Uh, I, I think it is. I really do. Uh, so, okay. So, like I told you guys, I'm a little bit of a nerd. Uh, I like watching film, and this offensive line, it, it's the worst in football. I, well, I you, it's, you got a loss for words. So, yeah, it's the, it's, it is so bad. Okay, so. Okay, so Ryan Fitzpatrick actually had a pretty good game the other day considering how bad the line was. Like, he is going to be... Honestly, I know people are saying, you know, just throw Rosen in there. And I think this coaching staff knows that this offensive line is really, really bad. And they do not want to put Rosen out there and and make his confidence any less than it has already been dropped. My man was a a top 10 pick last, last year you know, traded for a, you know, a second round pick and, you know, the team that traded him took a quarterback number one, like his confidence is probably on thin ice to begin with. If you throw my man behind this offensive line, he might just lose all confidence in his game period and just be terrible. So to me, if this is not a question of whether, you know, uh, who's better, you know, Fitzpatrick or or Rosen, it is a we're not going to crush this guy's hopes and dreams by putting him behind this offensive line right away. We want to see if we can fix this offensive line in the season, you know, get them playing better and then maybe throw them in. That's kind of the way I feel about it because this offensive line is really, really bad. You know, uh, Ken, the reason Kalen Balazs just you can't to me, he's almost undraftable because he has trouble finding holes to begin with. And this offensive line doesn't make them. So, so if you put a running back behind a line that does uh, behind a team that doesn't make holes that can't find holes, good luck. <laughs> you know what I mean, like they need Kenyon Drake to come back, 
And even when he comes back, uh, he's not. He's probably not somebody I'm drafting because I 100% agree with what Dan just said. I just I don't think I want anybody in this offense. I just you know dart throws on on Albert. You know, on Albert. And I, I can't. I really can't think of anybody else that I would even dart throw on this team. You know, Mike Gusecki. If like you're in a super deep league, but other than that, like. I, Albert Wilson and Mike Gusecki might be the only two dart throws on this team that I that I would even dream of taking because Drake is going in like round, you know, round five now, and I I just I wouldn't take him there. I just think this team is is really really bad. Yeah, I mean, in our early mocks and even like I think in one or two of our listener leagues, I grabbed him up, but uh, you know, even going to round four, I'm like, think you know, he's going to be a workhorse of a back. You know, it's, it's great value round four gonna be awesome value for for Kenyon Drake and the more I'm looking at him like I just he might be a workhorse of a back but that could be like 250 carries for 850 yards and four touchdowns I mean he might get a workload but it might not be a productive workload because this team's gonna be bad and uh, I hate to break it to you but you're gonna see Josh Rosen out there and I think you're gonna see him out there probably week three week four I think they're gonna I, I I think they're gonna uh you're going to see both of them, you know, back and forth. I think it's going to be one of those years. I just have a feeling it's going to be like, all right, give give this week to Fitzpatrick. All right, he sucked. Put Rosen out there. All right, pull Rosen in half. Put Fitzpatrick back out there. Like, they're just – It's. I think it's going to be a mess. I, don't, <laughs> I, I mean, I hope not. I liked I liked Rosen coming out of college. I, you know, you know what ever see – I could care less about Fitzpatrick. He's old and, you know, he's had his 15 minutes of fame last year in Tampa Bay. But, um, you know, I'd like to see Rosen – develop into a, a good quarterback but yeah i just can you believe Kalen balaj is still going like at a super high adp like yeah really high like eight, I, like i think i saw eight, him yesterday eight. yeah i think he's going like early eighth land of the seventh has anybody watched this guy run has uh, anybody watched has anybody watched it like how is his adp not moving has anybody watched this guy run yeah, I don't think anybody's really paying attention. They just think he's going to take the job and he's going to be amazing. Yeah. And he's going to be amazing behind a line that is just really, really, really bad. You know, yeah, and like I said, I mean, when you have trouble finding holes and the offensive line is not making them, just. Yeah, for you know, me, it's just, buyer, just, buyer, just buyer beware on that team. So, like, yeah, and, see, and, you know, and this is the other thing you guys why Drake is falling. This is the other thing you guys got to remember. They play Buffalo twice, they play the New England Patriots twice, they play the Jets twice. All three of those teams have really good defensive lines. Like, I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys realize that this offensive line is so bad, and these teams are just gonna six six games in division. They're gonna be playing top defensive lines that are just going to eat them alive. So you know, keep that in mind when you decide you want to go super high on on you know, Kalen Balage. you know, at least Drake has some elusiveness and ability to catch the ball to the backfield and the ability to, you know, make guys miss, you know, Balage has none of those things. No, I'd, ra- I'd, rather, catch the ball. I'd rather have Drake in the fifth round than Balage in the 12th round. I mean, that's to be honest I'm, with you, so at least saying. you got, at least you got a hope. You got a glimmer of hope with Drake. I mean, I'd have drafted him in the fourth. I, I mean, I do see the upside. It's just the more I, the more I evaluate, the more I just, I'm just kind of like, I'm backing off of off of the Miami Dolphins play, and, let, and you know, unless they show something and people are dropping players, and they somehow, you know, somebody like, like Bellage gets dropped and gets that starting role and miraculously learns how to become a running back. Exactly. Yeah, good. Yeah, and and Bellage is not a terrible pass catcher out of the backfield. He's just not good. He's not. A, I would not say he's a good one. So, 
you know, do what you want to do, guys. Um, yeah, it's a wrap. Yeah, I think we're going to wrap it up, guys. We were going to talk about a couple of more guys uh, on Kev's list, but we will do that on a later date. Um, so for us here at Fourth and Inches, FF.com, uh, and the Fourth and Inches Fantasy Football Podcast, we say good night to y'all. All right, guys. Until next time. Peace.